Joining me today is John Gordon. Listen up, small business John founders, Gordon, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Many of which here. have hit the best of my quest for the best. And a leadership where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. In the Miami. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful and leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. John is here to talk about his book, The Power of Positive Leadership, and how you can put these ideas to work in your business. Welcome, John. Bill, it's great to be with you. John, what I find with leaders from all different disciplines is that everyone can look back and identify at least one person who has influenced and inspired them. For you, John, who would that be? If you look back to help you in your career, who gave you some sort of insight or encouragement, who is it who helped you? Well, no doubt about it, Ken Blanchard, the author of The One Minute Manager. He's influenced millions of leaders, but for me, he was someone who showed me what a leader was like. He showed me what an author and speaker could do in this world that was really about serving and empowering others. And he was just an amazing role model for me. He's, he's 80 years old now, and we've actually even done some retreats together in the last few years. And it's just been such a, an honor to share the stage with him and be with him. But it's pretty funny. We, we did a retreat together, and he was almost like falling asleep before the session. And next thing you know, he got on stage, and he went into just performing mode. And he was unbelievable. 80 years old, and he still was sharing the passion and the drive and making an impact. And I even spoke like, like maybe a third of what I was going to speak because he was so on it. And I thought, you know, that's what I want to be like when I'm 80. So he's still inspiring me to this day. And when I first started, he was my role model back then. It's really fortunate to have someone take you under their wing, like Ken Blanchard, because of his vast experience, his connections, his insights, and, and his just business knowledge. How did you make that connection, John? You know, that's a great story. With small business owners, you want to make sure that you're looking for people who have done it before, people who could show you the way. And we often think that the mentors find us, but as a small business owner, you have to actually go out and seek your mentors. You have to pursue them. And so whenever someone reaches out to me, I can tell they're pursuing me. All right, that's maybe someone I'm supposed to help. It depends on their heart, their interest, and how hard they're willing to work. But you can tell that person is, is interested. Well, for me, I reached out to Ken. I asked him to endorse my, my first book. And then from there, I was out speaking in Las Vegas, and I saw that he was going to be out there as well. And so I reached out to his assistant and said, hey, I want to be out there. I would love to meet with Ken. I knew Danny Gans because Danny Gans had written a quote for The Energy Bus my most popular book that came out in 2007. And so that book I think had just come out and Danny wrote a great quote for it. So I reached out to Danny and said, Hey, I'm going to be out there. would love to come to your show. He said, why don't you come backstage and hang out with me? I said, great. Can I bring Ken Blanchard? He said, sure. So then I invited Ken to come meet Danny Gans before the show. And that's how we all connected. And we were obviously uh, close ever since. So it really is all about relationships. People always reach out to mentors wanting something that you have to make sure you're giving the mentor something. That's a great point. I hope everyone understands the, the point that John's bringing out. It's not just what you ask for from others, but it's what you bring to the party. When he wanted to meet Ken Blanchard, John reached out and offered him the chance to meet Danny Gantz. And that would be exciting. It would be value add in establishing that relationship. What a, what a great story. John, you've written how many books now? 
It's hard to keep count. I know it was 18 and now it's 20. So it's, it's, it's going up fast, but uh, about 20 books. <laughs> Fabulous. Getting started as an author isn't easy. How did you break in with your first book? And what was the result of that for your career? Well, it's not easy at all to start with a book, just like it's not easy to start any business, right? So I used to be in the restaurant business and starting a franchise and uh, well, being the first franchisee in Florida of a franchise, I should say, and, and getting going like that was difficult. And then when I started in the book world, it was the same thing. No one knew me. You're starting from scratch. And so you have to build you know, a, a platform. So I started sharing weekly positive tips, but I actually was doing that even before I, I wrote a book or wanted to write a book. So I was doing these weekly positive tips because I was trying to be more positive myself. And then I was trying to help others be more positive. So I was writing these tips and that led to a small book deal from a small publisher out of Atlanta that saw my newsletters and said, you should write a book. So that started the process. Then I wrote this book. He published it. He went out of business. So I was able to buy the rights back and then took that book and then tried to get a bigger publisher to buy it. A bigger publisher did. I did one other book with them. And then actually everything you know, faltered. It was not going well. The books didn't do well. I wasn't getting a lot of speaking engagements. So I was really struggling. It was 2006. I wrote The Energy Bus. And when I wrote that, I said, I'm going to write this book first. I'm not going to try to find a publisher. It got rejected by 30 publishers because of the, you know, the past failure of the second book I did. It didn't look like it was going to happen. And then uh, John Wiley and Sons agreed to publish this book because I had gotten on the Today Show for the other the other book, the the first book I did, and so I had this great exposure. Even though the book didn't do well, I had some great exposure. And turns out the the editor of John Wally and Sons saw me on TV at that time. So when we sent the proposal and sent the book, and she read the book, she's like, "I want to do this with John," and agreed to do it. So that began this journey of now being a published author. It was very random in some ways. It was challenging. All the rejections along the way were, were difficult, but all you need is one, right? One person early on to say, yes, one opportunity, and that's what I was looking for, and that's thankfully what I got. Reminds me of the, um, <clears throat> the old quote, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Uh, it was through your efforts of putting it out there and continuing to share your tips on a weekly basis, writing the book, adding value, and persisting even in the face of rejection after rejection. What is, what is it you learned about overcoming rejection through that process that you might be able to um, pass on because a lot of business leaders, as they look to expand their business, feel discouraged many times? Yes, being a, a small business owner, that's, that's my background. That's where my heart is. And being from there, I know this. We don't give up because it's hard. We give up because we get discouraged. And so it's important to really stay encouraged, to believe that the best is yet to come. Duke University did a study, and they found that optimists worked harder, got paid more, and were more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that because the optimists believed in a brighter, better future, they then took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self fulfilling prophecy. And it shows the power of our belief, the power of our mind, that if we believe it, 
we will then continually work to achieve it. We won't give up. We won't get discouraged. As a small business owner, you're going to face rejection, adversity, challenges, and setbacks. And you have to have a vision of what you want to build. You have to have a design that will create your masterpiece. And then you have to build it one day at a time, knowing that adversity is going to be part of the process. But then through the optimism, through belief, one win at a time, one success at a time, you gradually build it. Anything that is worthwhile to build will will take challenges and obstacles as part of that process. So we have to make sure that we we go through that journey to to build what we're here to build and create what we're here to create. And it's just part of the path to create a successful business. It's part of the path to be a successful author. Everyone looks at success and they think it's easy, but that's not how it works. I talk a lot about the power of positive leadership. And I can't tell you how many examples of, of great leaders came about because they were willing to overcome their challenges. They stayed positive through their adversity and they just kept moving forward. Others gave up, but they didn't. Alan Mullally, when he took over Ford, yes, it's not a small business, but, but they were losing $14 billion and he had them profitable in a few short years. It was one of the greatest leadership feats in history. And it happened because he really just stayed positive himself as a leader and stayed optimistic while others were giving up, while others were, were saying that you know the world was, was caving in, the world was coming to an end. He believed through the Great Recession that they were doing the right things, that they had a plan, and they just had to continually work towards the plan, and it would work out. And sure enough, it did. In your book, The Power of Positive Leadership, you quote Michael Phelps, who spoke about his team in the 2016 Olympics in Rio. And I'm going to quote from the book where you um, quote him saying, every now and then you hear a bunch of negative comments or somebody complaining. And during training camp or one of the meetings, I said to one of the guys that we're getting ready to go to the Olympics. This is what we have to do. And there are, if there is a negative comment, keep it to yourself. The more positivity we have as a team, the better off we're going to be. And as soon as I said that, we all became closer and then we really started getting things going. You identified that um, sign, that, that signal, John, as sending that direction as a leader to a team and saying, we've got to be positive. That's something that is tough for a lot of leaders to be able to be that clear. What else do you attribute to how Michael Phelps laid that out to his team as being really significant that other leaders can learn from? Well, we have to feed ourselves with positivity so that we can feed others. So it starts with us first as the leader, because you are contagious every day. Leadership is a transfer of belief and passion and energy. So you're transferring your energy and your belief every day to your team. So it starts with you. And then you have to make sure that you're sharing that with your team. And one of the biggest mistakes that leaders make is they do not address the negativity that exists on their team. So it persists, it exists, and it winds up eventually sabotaging the team. So by bringing this to the forefront, by addressing it, he was saying, we're not going to allow negativity to sabotage our team. We're here to do something great. We're here on a mission. We have a vision and we're not going to allow negativity to sabotage it. And I think you know, and I know, and so many people listening know that in business and also in life, we allow negativity too often to sabotage the work that we're here to do. In our trainings, we do a lot of training for positive leaders around, around the country. I have people raise their hand. And if you've ever allowed negativity to sabotage your team, if you've ever been part of a team where negativity sabotage it, and sure enough, everyone raises their hands. So we have to make sure that we're dealing it with it up front. It's one of the key principles of 
of our program and our foundation of the work that we do is to say, okay, we're going to feed the positive, but we're going to weed the negative negative so it can persist so it can grow and when you do that you create an environment where now everyone could do their best work and as a leader when you're building your business you need to create an environment where your people can come in and to give their best and be their best to the business and to hopefully a great outcome. Being in the restaurant business right I learned every day that I had to walk in with a positive attitude. When I first opened, we second mortgaged our home, $20,000 in credit cards, didn't know if the place was going to make it. We didn't have much backup money, which was not a very good idea, not a good business plan, but we just went for it on a, on a leap and a prayer. Somehow, some way, we were breaking even, and I knew that every day I had to show up and expect that people were going to come in and build our business. And over time, we did. My wife and I, we catered the movie theater. We, we, I mean, sorry, we flyered the movie theater. We flyered local business. We were just trying to do whatever it took to build our business. We eventually made that store. It was actually a Moe's Southwest Grill franchise. We turned that into the top Moe's in the country over time. And it was through optimism and belief. But I want people to know that I'm not naturally positive. I actually go more towards the negative. So I've had to work really hard at being a more positive person, but that's how I know it works. That's why I love doing this work. It's why I'm passionate, and it's why I love helping business leaders become more positive themselves so they can make a greater impact on the people around them. John, I'm going to ask you a question about looking at the negative and cultivating the positive in a, a small business. What are some steps or levels that people could look at who are leading a company and saying, you know, I've got a couple people on the team who are either neutral or negative, and they need to change because it's affecting the team. You, you can't just toss people off the team or fire them because they make a negative comment or complaint. There's a little bit of training that you have to do to offer them the chance to change. How do you look at that process, and what are some tips or guidelines that you've found useful in helping, I love the phrase in your book, the energy vampires. How do, how do you transform or um, send them back to Transylvania? <laughs> I'm so glad that you said it like that because you don't want to just try to remove them. You don't want to say, hey, you're being negative. You're out of here. Well, you don't want to walk in and say, you're either on my bus or off my bus. I've had so many leaders read the energy bus and just take the liberty of just saying that to their team when they haven't done the work to build the relationships with their team. So it really starts at the cultural level where you have to say, okay, this is the kind of culture we're going to build. This is what we value. This is the importance of positivity, not Pollyanna positive, but just staying positive to be a great team and a great organization. I wrote The Power of a Positive Team as well. You share these principles. You might even have the team do a, a read together. I've had a lot of leaders and a lot of teams read The Power of Positive Leadership together and The Power of a Positive Team together. I'm not trying to be self-promotional, but I know that that's, it's work. Like They read it. They're all thinking the same thing now. And then you get them talking about these important principles, values, and then now it's easier to address it because now the energy vampires and negative people start to self-identify. They start to see maybe they're being negative. They start to see that in others. You bring it to the light, right? It's a little uncomfortable at first, but you bring it to the light. Then as part of this process, you really work on engaging one-on-one -on -one with the people that you're leading. So you start meeting one-on-one -on -one with your team members and you start talking about these principles. You start talking about the vision. You start talking about how you can help them 
and lead them better? What do they need from you, right? You communicate, you connect, you commit, you care. The four C's that we talk about in the book, communicate, connect, commit, and care. And you really invest in that. And as you develop these relationships, you then earn the right to start perhaps challenging them to say, hey, I need you to be a little more positive or let's talk about what you're going through. Maybe you're dealing with some personal issues of why you, know, you might be a little more negative or this is how people are receiving what you're saying. You don't want a bunch of yes people. You don't you know, ever want, you don't, you know, want perfect positivity. You want some disagreements. You're going to have to have some fights. Great teams and, and small businesses have a ratio of three to one positive to negative interactions or greater. If you get to 13 to one, 13 positive to one negative, the team falls apart because no one's dealing with the real issue. So you have to have the difficult conversations, but in order to do so, you got to develop these relationships one-on-one that allow you to have those conversations. And if someone's really being negative, they're not open to you having a conversation. They're not open to connecting. They're not willing to do what the team needs. They're sabotaging the team. Well, at that point, then you have to let them off the bus, but you've given them every chance to get on. And I have found this is a formula that works. And I got to tell you, whenever I go work with an organization, some do get off the bus, some are let off the bus, but it always makes the team better because it needs to happen. But let's create the framework and let's create this process first so that we're not just walking in saying, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. Because a lot of people have turned around and I've seen a lot of great success stories. I had a, a small business where she was a, a, this woman was a manager. I can't say her name. We, you know, we always keep things in confidence. But she was a manager and she had a, a very negative person. Well, we have an exercise called, you know, encouragement to an energy vampire. And she wrote a letter of encouragement to her energy vampire. Now, the energy vampire doesn't know that she thinks she's an energy vampire. All she knows is she had this letter of encouragement. And then she followed up to meet with her energy vampire. It was supposed to be a 30 minute meeting after, you know, sharing the letter. It lasted an hour and a half. They had an amazing conversation. She found out that, that this person was negative because she was dealing with a lot of personal stuff. They became very close after that, completely transformed the energy vampire into a positive person and transformed the manager's leadership style now as a leader. So it's incredible what we do, what happens when we take the time to invest in these relationships. John, I love that story. I also think that underlying it, you also believe in letting adults be adults and take responsibility. Really fully own, have the opportunity to own their life. And if they choose not to own some part of it, then that's their choice. Would you agree with that? Very much so. Positive leaders lead with love and accountability. You have to love them up, as Alan Mullally told me, but you got to hold them accountable to the standards, the values, the culture, and the principles that you're building your team and your organization with. So as a small business, you come in and you, you build your culture, you build your business. Frank Gambuza, you know, has a, a hair salon in, in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee. It competes on a national level with those from New York. It's that popular. It's that successful. He has built a culture and an environment where this is how we do things here. There's a lot of love, but there's also the accountability of if you're not striving to be your best, if you're not bring in excellence every day. If you're not treating your customers like family, then you're not going to be the right fit here. And that is what really drives their great success. I love that perspective. John, are you ready for the mic quest for the best lightning round? I'm ready. I, I'm, I've, been, I've been waiting for it uh, since the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so 
what would you say is are one or two components of your your morning preparation, your morning routine to have ongoing and consistent success in your life and in your business? The number one thing that I started when I was a small business owner was to take a walk of, of gratitude. I called it a thank you walk. So every day I would just say what I'm thankful for because the research shows you can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, you won't be stressed. And stress is what drains us. Stress is what slowly kills us. So every day you're creating a fertile mind and a fertile heart that's ready for great things to happen because the research shows you're flooding your brain and your body with these positive emotions that uplift you rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain and kill you. So by doing this every day, you're now setting yourself up for success. And that has been huge for me. I would go into the restaurant, I remember, and I would be, you know, I'd be a little worried, be a little concerned, but this thank you walk got me in the right frame of mind. I was ready to take on the day. And then I would often say, I expect great things to happen today. I expect all the people that want to work with me in my business. I accept all the success that I'm here for in the future. And sure enough, over time, more and more things would happen. So I was really putting out like that great things were going to happen. John, what would you say is the least easiest or least expensive change you've made in your personal professional life in the last six months that's had the biggest payoff? The easiest and the, the less and the least expensive. Yeah, I'm looking for something easy you've done that had a surprisingly big payoff in your life. Well, it's not surprising, but definitely I've gotten back to working out. And just by working out every day, by walking every day, running a little bit, playing some basketball, and then lifting weights again, I feel so much better, so much stronger. I'm 48 now, and I feel like I'm 30. I feel so much like just more fit and, and ready to take on the challenges. When you are a business owner, you got to realize that you got to train yourself like an athlete because you're facing stress and challenges and long days. And if you don't recover, eventually it's going to wear you down. So you got to build your body up. You got to build your mind up because the exercise also creates a healthy mind. It reduces depression. And just by doing that, you will be more fit for both one physical activity, but also the emotional wear and tear of a business. I couldn't agree more with that. I, I think that's terrific that you've embraced that. And it's funny how many people say, yeah, it's important exercise and don't realize what a difference it makes when you actually follow through and walk the walk. And they don't, because they, they also don't make the time or take the time. So they, they know they want to do it, but they say, they feel like they have so much going on that they have so much work to do that they can't do it. But here's the thing. If you focus on the exercise and you make it a priority, that will give you more energy to accomplish more things actually in less time. Here, here. One last question um, for the lightning round. What's the most important habit or routine or belief that you've stopped in the last year that's brought you the most pleasure or personal satisfaction? That I've stopped, you know? Yeah, something you've taken away. Well, I actually live in such a way that I don't really have many vices. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke, um, I exercise. I developed some food allergies, you know, years ago. So I really can only eat seafood and, 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 uh, and vegetables and organic root vegetables. So I live like a monk in many in many ways. So I feel like I've been taking away things my entire life over the last, actually the last more 10, 12 years. So it's made me very disciplined. But I guess on, on the other side, it's probably more 
you know, technology being a distractor. And so what I've realized is when I'm writing a book, if I get on technology and I get on social media before I start writing, I cannot write. I'm done. So I guess the one habit I've done is where I will make sure I write first and then check my email and then check my social media. But I'll make sure I write first because if I don't, I won't be able to write anything. So for me, that's been a big productivity boost. And that's a great sequencing observation. I would offer you that maybe one of the things that you've given up is the belief that you need to have a lot of these other so-called vices to have a happy and satisfying life. It sounds like you're doing great and you're doing it in a very disciplined way. I would agree with that. My wife would say that uh, I may live a, a boring life, but I'm not boring. <laughs> <laughs> and John, what is it that in your experience, as you go to these different conferences and you're speaking to associations and working with business leaders to help them really understand the power of positive leadership, how to manage their energy and how to manage their teams for greater effectiveness. What would you say is one of the biggest misconceptions that small business leaders have? I think the biggest misconception they have is actually about positivity. I mean, I, I think I'm on a, a mission to share the importance of that. But if you look at like Clemson football and Dabo Sweeney, I've worked with them for eight years now. Dabo Sweeney's positive leadership has transformed that team and organization. They think positivity is soft. That's a misconception. They think that it's just a nice thing. They don't realize it's the most important thing to lead your team and to get results. I've worked with Sean McVay of the Rams. He took over, took over that team and has had huge success. Went to the Super Bowl last year as a result of his positive leadership. Donna Orender turned around the WNBA through her positive leadership. We have seen, like, again, I, I'll give you a few more. I work with the LA Dodgers the last uh, three years. Dave Roberts, they've been to the World Series twice. His positive leadership. Work with the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra, his leadership. I can go on and on with the teams that I've worked with. Corey Close, UCLA women's basketball. And I have seen with sports and business that you will see results when you bring forth that positive leadership to your team and to your organization. Can't tell you how many sales managers come and approach me and tell me how they became more positive with their team. They started to communicate better. They started to create a, create a greater connection and they just did a few things. And sure enough, it produced amazing results. So I think we believe that it has to be hard. We believe it has to be complicated. And then we don't realize the importance of positivity. And yes, I'm biased, but, but I'm biased. And the reason why I know this is something I'm spending the rest of my life doing because I know the impact it has. And I know it's important and I know that it will help people build better businesses if they can actually implement these principles in their business. John, not only do I love your mission, I love the enthusiasm you bring to speaking about these ideas, bringing them to life and helping small business leaders who are running businesses as well as uh, teams um, in athletics as well as in business, bring these ideas and implement them to gain better results. I really, really appreciate the work that you do. And I, I want to thank you so much for the contribution you've made to my quest for the best today. You've shared some great ideas, everything from starting out with uh, getting your mentor from Ken Blanchard to helping us understand some really key ideas through your work as a business owner and throwing um, the Moe's Southwest Grill to helping us understand about the Duke University study, about how people who have a more positivity um, work harder and achieve more, um, understanding that it requires not only the vision, but also talking to ourselves and creating that environment, being responsible for actually 
giving ourselves the positivity and feeding ourselves that which we need because it doesn't exist by random in the environment. We've got to make that choice. Reminding us that leaders, um, one of the responsibilities is to transfer the belief, passion, and energy to everyone on the team because it happens all the time anyway, and it's necessary in order to make it the kind of culture that you want within your organization. Uh, Love the idea of the energy vampires and always reminding people to feed the positive and weed the negative. John, for so many reasons such as these, I thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Thanks, Bill. I appreciate that recap. That really meant a lot to hear you share that and to know that you were actually listening and taking the nuggets away for for your audience. So hopefully we made a difference today and I really am honored that I've been able to share with uh, with your with your audience and with you today. I appreciate it. Before we say goodbye, John, where can people find out more about you and your work online or to bring you in for a presentation that they're having at a a corporate retreat or uh, an association meeting? They could go to johngordon.com, J-O-N, gordon.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at johngordon11, J-O-N, Gordon11. So J-O-N, Gordon11. And I'm always tweeting ideas, thoughts, inspiration, encouragement tips for businesses and so forth. So I'm, I'm always sharing a lot of different ideas. So if people want to receive that and I do a weekly positive tip that I still do to this day, I write it every week, been doing it since 2002. And it's, uh, you know, as you said earlier, my goal is to add value and continually try to just, just make an impact and share this information with others. Well, thank you again for the impact you've made with us today. John Gordon, thank you so much. Thank you.
Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on my quest for the best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback, and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.